I was fortunate enough to have two great friends in my life. James and Mike were in many ways my polar opposite, encouraging me out of my shell, getting me to try new things that I never would have approached on my own. Sometimes this was a really rewarding experience. Others it was uh, less enjoyable, but still memorable. I'd categorize their most recent proposed adventure into the latter category. They wanted to start visiting all sorts of haunted historical landmarks, with a focus on the haunted part. I wasn't sure if I believed in ghosts or not, but certainly wasn't interested in tempting anything supernatural to pay me a visit. Quit being a wuss, said James, smiling so I knew he was messing with me. Come on, it'll be fine. You know it will be. Yeah, Nick, Mike chimed in. Think about it. People work in these buildings. If there was actually something dangerous in there, they'd be the first to go. Guys, I know, I said, kind of laughing at their encouragement. Look, I know it'll be fine, just haunted isn't really my thing. Then come for the historical buildings, said Mike. I know you'll like visiting all the monuments around the town. This is very true. I was a bit of a historian, a sucker for all things old and tarnished, weathered but not forgotten. They had come across an advertisement for an old historical hotel, which, of course, had a ghost story attached to it. More than that, there had been some gruesome crimes committed there, allegedly, though the details were lost to the grips of rumor and speculation. We would be making a road trip out of the whole thing, heading out from the city after we finished up work on Friday, making our way to a small town in the middle of our state. Much of the colonial pioneer history could be found out here. If the ghost hunting, or whatever we were doing, was a bust, I knew I'd be more than happy to explore the local shops and museums. I contentedly sat in the back, window down, and taking in the cool spring air that marked the beginnings of the change in weather. James and Mike were talking animatedly about what they would do if they captured some sort of paranormal on camera. They weren't ghost hunters by any stretch of the imagination, but there was a kind of thrill to go and see if anything strange could be spotted. We arrived in the late afternoon. The small motel we'd be staying in was quaint, appropriate for the age of the building, the aesthetic not trying to be anything other than the old, colonial charm I was hoping for. After dropping off our bags, we made our way through the town, visiting some of the local shops. The hotel was located in the downtown square, which boasted large pillars that presented an impressive front entryway. Though it was once a prime landing place for many travelers, it no longer functioned as lodging. It had become privately owned and turned into a museum. We had arrived just as the initial tours were beginning for their evening ghost tours. As we entered, the hotel owners greeted us immediately. Hello, gentlemen. How are you this evening? An elderly man dressed up in a tuxedo, clearly playing up the ghost tour theme. We're good, thanks, Mike replied as we started to take in the entryway. The hotel appeared to have modern lighting, but for the ghost tours, they only lit the rooms with candles and oil lanterns. I had to hand it to them. The dedication was apparent and appreciated. Mike and James were eating it up. The owners also seemed pleased that their hard work had been so well received. The rest of the hotel had a notably classic appearance. The carpets had something of a Victorian-style print, which led straight into the wallpaper. 
Even the furniture seemed to have been sourced straight out of a castle. How about a little tour? asked the elderly man. We've recently reopened the art gallery. Art gallery? I asked, intrigued that a hotel would have such a thing. Oh yes, he said. The lady who owned the original establishment was quite an accomplished artist. Though I don't think she drew crowds of any sort, she seemed to have some unique interests. I'm curious, I said. What do you mean, unique? Well, she seemed to have an unhealthy fascination with the occult, devil worship. At least that's as far as we can tell. It's really no wonder there are so many myths about this place, the man explained. Come, he motioned with his hand for us to follow. We took down some of the ground floor rooms to add to our show. If you're here to get creeped out, you'll definitely want to start here. I wasn't sure how interested I was in this art, but Mike and James were fascinated. We followed the man through a set of double doors into something of a maze. The pathway forked immediately, putting you right up against a wall as you entered. There was a painting there, which really set the tone for the rest of the gallery. The piece was illuminated by a row of candles that burned calmly a couple feet in front of the painting. They had been long used, wax dripping down all sides and caking into the cradle in which they sat. The canvas spanned from floor to ceiling, and the image was of nothing but roaches, crawling all over one another, stretching from one end of the canvas to the other. They had been painted so skillfully and meticulously that they almost looked lifelike. When you moved up to the painting, the light hit it in such a way that the bugs seemed like they were moving. Good, isn't it? said the man. How did she manage to paint this level of detail? I asked, moving closer to the painting. I was disgusted, but also weirdly fascinated by the repulsive imagery. As the stories go, she went a bit mad later in her life, locked in the main living quarters, churning out these masterpieces. If she'd spent this much time painting anything else, we'd probably remember her as the next Picasso or Van Gogh. Instead, she hid all these away in the walls of her room, only to be found much later when the place was remodeled, he said. We rounded the corner and found an image of the town. Only the main road had been torn in half. Large cracks and rips in the earth had formed, and light was coming through them. Darkness had fallen. The people were running for their lives from the destruction. The gallery continued to twist and turn around different walls. I was starting to wonder if the owners of the hotel had done this intentionally. Rather than experiencing all of the work at once, you were forced to be shocked by each piece as you made a turn. One by one, I encountered disturbing imagery in every painting, but I was also mystified by the artistry, as if the end of the world, the destruction, terror, could be painted to be beautiful. The thought was truly disturbing. The paintings were so good, they were almost like peering through a window, and not at colors, oil, brushstrokes. The last painting was one of a terrible creature. It stood twelve feet tall, dark despite the light of the image. Its eyes were red, black veins coursing through them. It had long, greasy hair and a mouth that had been stitched shut. What is this? 
I asked, shivering a little bit as I took in the picture. That, the old man started, is something we have no explanation for. She conjured that from her mind like everything else. The scary thing to me, though, is that this has the same level of detail as everything in this gallery. She saw this thing as clearly as the insects, or the town, or anything else that you've seen here. She saw this thing for real. I shuddered a little bit at the thought that she perceived this monster as if it had been real, existed in a plane that she could see. I looked from the face of the creature to the corner of the painting. The canvas had been left clean here, bare of any paint whatsoever. It almost looked as if it had been left intentionally unfinished. What's this here? I asked. It looks like she didn't finish it. Ah, the old man replied. Yes, that is something of a mystery. You see, the lady of this house vanished at some point. We aren't precisely sure about the date. We think this unfinished spot is when that happened. For whatever reason, she never got to complete her masterpiece. I shuddered to think that this was some sort of travesty. The madness of this art being left incomplete as some sort of loss to the world. After seeing this woman's completed works, something about them made me wish they never existed, that they should be destroyed. Everything about this place made me uncomfortable. The hotel owner seemed to notice I was really bothered by this painting in particular. Hey, he said, coming over to me. It's just a painting, just oil on canvas. Let's head back to the lobby. I nodded, not feeling reassured in the slightest. We made our way back to the lobby where the man's wife continued to stand by the front desk. It must have been a slow night because it seemed we were going to be the only ghost tour customers. Mike and James were fine with that, though. We'd get more of an opportunity to catch something paranormal. Since you guys are the only ones joining us tonight, why don't I let you in on a special treat, the old man said. Definitely, said James. There's a floor of the hotel that hasn't been renovated, the old man said. We've left it that way so that a section of the property could remain frozen in time, if you'll forgive the cliché. It's a little rough up there, but you guys might find it interesting. Most strange sightings for tours happen up there. Twist a guy's arm, said Mike, chuckling. The old man smiled. Thought you'd get a kick out of that. This way, he said, motioning once again for us to follow him. I was not really into this, though. The art gallery was enough to creep me out for the next month. James seemed to detect this, turning to me to give encouragement. Nick, we have to see this, he said excitedly. Do we, though? I asked. Let's just take a peek. If we don't see anything, we can head out. Deal? said Mike. I sighed, but agreed. Really, I don't know what I was afraid of. There were three of us, and all of this was just myth and rumor anyway. A crazed old lady who went off the deep end. The hotel had been outfitted with an elevator in the early 1900s, which still worked apparently. The old man ushered us in past the metal grating. It was a tight fit, but we all squeezed in to make it work. The man took the crank of the dead man controls and started wheeling us up to the abandoned level of the hotel. We arrived after a few moments of quiet in the tightly packed elevator car. The old man opened the metal grating and we stepped out into a hallway of rooms that was 
far less kept than the lobby. It was lit with some ancient electrical lighting, bulbs barely producing enough through coats of thick dust. The smell of mothballs and mold was strong, off-putting. The carpet had been worn and was covered in different stains all along the floor. There were pieces of furniture littered throughout as well, thrown haphazardly as the floor was torn down. It almost looked as if it had been ransacked. I'll let you fellows have a little bit to explore, said the old man as he suddenly closed the metal grating behind us. Hey, wait a second, I said, surprised that he was leaving us in this place without any warning. Relax, Nick, said Mike, nodding to the old man and waving. Thank you. We'll head back downstairs in a few minutes. The old man seemed happy with this. He started to finish closing the elevator doors when I noticed something. A sly smile painted across his face. Something more than his polite and courteous demeanor he'd been showing us. It was something strange. I couldn't put my finger on it. Something's wrong, I said out loud. Nick, you worry too much, man, said James, getting a little annoyed at my constant caution. You don't think it's weird he's just leaving us up here? I asked. I don't think it's weird if he's fishing for a good tip after this tour, said Mike. I scoffed a little bit at the dismissal. This place was weird, beyond just being a spooky location. James and Mike were undeterred, though, and continued to explore the abandoned rooms. I pushed open an ajar hotel room door and peeked in. The mattress had been stood up against the wall, and the bed frame had been shattered apart. The next room was completely empty, just some torn-up wallpaper and a window looking outside. Kind of a dud, if you ask me, said Mike. I guess somebody would be scared of this, not me, though. James chuckled in agreement as he pushed open another door. I looked back toward the elevator, hoping to see the old man having come back to retrieve us. That's when I saw something out of place. A shadow standing in one of the partially open doorways. The light was so dim it was hard to make out any features. I stepped closer, curiosity getting the better of me. As I moved nearer to the figure, my blood ran cold as I took in the figure of an old woman. Her long, gray hair was unkempt, matted. Her eyes were a dark shade of red, black veins pulsing through them. Her pupils had rolled to the back of her head, mouth gaping open. She stood frozen to the spot, unnaturally still. I was also frozen to the spot, entrapped by the horrifying image of this person. Then it moved quickly, darting out of sight of the door. I jumped suddenly and shouted something unintelligible. What? What? shouted James. Someone was there, I managed to vocalize. An old woman, I think. Something was really wrong with her. Mike was there first, moving to the door I pointed at and shoving it open immediately. He went into the room and looked around. There's nothing in here, Nick he said, coming back out of the room and up to me. You seriously need to calm down, man. It's just an old hotel. He stopped, trailing off his words and looking at something behind me. There, he said quietly, raising a finger and pointing at one of the other rooms. I turned with James and all three of us saw her then. The red eyes, gaping mouth. 
She had inexplicably moved from one room to the other. She stood there still, now with tears of blood streaming down her face. How did she get over there? I asked. I never took my eyes off the door. We all stared back at her for a moment till Mike pushed forward. Ma'am, are you all right? He asked. Her eyes rolled forward again, looking at Mike as he addressed her. Her gaping mouth closed, turning into a smile. A smile I recognized from the old man in the elevator. That's when the door in front of her slammed shut. Every door on this floor started to slam on its own, one by one, booming and echoing through the hallway. Each of us jumped as the floor of the hotel took on a life of its own, forcing the door shut with such a force that it shook the walls and fixtures. We bolted for the elevator, stumbling over one another, tripping over pieces of furniture on our way to the call button. It wasn't working or was disconnected in some way. Panic started to ensue until James noticed another doorway with stairs indicated above the frame. We scrambled into the doorway and down the first set of steps. As the door closed to the abandoned floor, we all stood silently, waiting for something to pursue us through the door. When nothing did, we made our way down the steps into the main floor. Mike was livid, insisting that we had been the victims of some kind of rich prank. Jerks setting up some sort of haunted house stuff and then stranding us up there, he said. James seemed to agree, but I still felt like there was more to this place than some simple animatronics or other automation. It wasn't a long trip down the stairs to the bottom floor. We reached the door that would lead back into the lobby, and I hovered over the handle, the feeling of something being deeply wrong taking over. My friends, who were in a narrow pathway behind me, began to get frustrated with my hesitation. What's wrong? Open it, said James. Do you guys really think that was just a show? I asked. Mike let out a grunt of annoyance. Nick, get a grip. This was just some stupid prank, he said, shoving his way past me into the lead. He gripped the handle of the door and turned. The door opened, but not to a scene we were expecting. There were no longer oil lanterns or candles illuminating the lobby. Now it was completely dark only slivers of the afternoon light providing any visibility. I looked more closely, and the windows appeared to be completely boarded up, sealed, sunlight peeking through only coming in from the gaps in the boards. What the heck? shouted James as he tried the door. As hard as he pulled on the handle, it would not budge, also boarded probably from the other side in some way. They were totally sealed in. The once well-maintained lobby had completely transformed as well. The desk at which the old woman had sat was now moldy and covered in dust. The carpet was filthy. Dark stains covered different sections of it. James and Mike had pulled out their phones, desperate to find some sort of signal and call for help. I was completely drawn to something else, though. The gallery doors were open, the paintings still hanging in their frames. I approached cautiously unsure of what I might find after being surprised around every corner. The first painting of roaches was only barely visible from the dim light of the lobby. I looked down at the candles that I had noticed before. They were still and cool, the painting not given the creepy ambiance it once held in the candlelight. I moved my hand to grab one of them, 
maybe use it in the lobby to find a wired phone. Only when my hand touched the wax of the base, it flickered into life. The sudden appearance of a flame shocked me and made me jump. James and Mike noticed, coming over and staring in awe of the sudden, spontaneous combustion. The other candles started to flicker into life as well, one by one, illuminating the painting of the roaches. The effect of the moving flame causing the unsettling movement of the painting. Only, it wasn't just the flame. Something about this painting seemed all too real. I stepped forward, putting my face right next to it, the roaches moving and crowding one another. That's when one of them flew from the canvas right onto my face. I coughed and sputtered, trying to flick the bug from me. Once it flew away, I looked on in horror as the bugs that were once contained in the fabric, oil, and brushstrokes were now crawling and invading the walls of the hotel. They were escaping the painting, spreading out in all directions. Mike let out a yell, jumping back and running further into the gallery. James followed, leaving me standing there, frozen in terror as the impossibility of this grotesque spectacle came to life, consuming the space around it. I came to my senses and backed up, turning into the darkness of the rest of the gallery, my only path away from the bugs that were consuming the carpet, the walls, and everything else in their path. I could hear Mike and James, their footsteps echoing off the walls of the gallery maze. Then I heard them shouting. What are you? Mike had said, voice booming off the walls. Then there was a scream, a loud, gut-wrenching cry of pain and terror. I picked up my pace, moving through the maze off of memory in the complete darkness. Then James was there, passing me in the corridor. Nick, run, man! She's there! Run! He yelled as he passed me. He didn't stop, just continued down the hallways. I couldn't help but to continue on, though. Mike was at the end of this hall, and I couldn't leave him behind regardless of the situation. I turned the corner, jaw dropping as I took in the sight of the main attraction. Mike was on the floor, covered in blood, not moving. The woman from upstairs was there, holding a knife, and was crouched over his body. She looked up at me, mouth still gaping open, eyes rolled back in her head. The metal in her hand covered in thick, dark blood. She reached into the corner somewhere I couldn't see in the limited light of the room. She grabbed what looked like a paintbrush and then plunged it into the open wounds of Mike's body. Then without a word, she turned to the painting of the creature, bringing the brush down on the unfinished portion. With long, sweeping strokes, she filled in the light section of fabric, drenching the portion of the painting in a deep, red blood. As she finished it, she backed up and crouched down, almost as if she was bowing to the figure. That's when it moved. The twelve-foot-tall shadow figure from the painting stepped out from the canvas and into the showroom. It seemed to drip shadow from its body onto the ground, staining the walls and floors in darkness as it walked. Its red eyes darted around the room. It spotted the woman who lay still in her bowing pose. He stepped forward, putting his hand onto her head gently, as if he was thanking her for releasing him from the painting. Then his head turned and eyes locked onto me, standing there watching this scene unfold. It began moving toward me, 
swift movements with its long legs. I turned and ran back to the maze as quickly as I could, each painting illuminated again by candles that had once again burst into flame. I approached the entrance and that's where I found James. He was on the floor, motionless. The roaches covered him, crawling over and through every part of him. I wanted to retch but had to keep moving. I turned the corner from the gallery and back into the lobby, looking for the stairway. Bursting through the door, I leapt the stairs three at a time, trying to put as much a distance as was possible between myself and that creature. The floors passed quickly, till I reached the top and a door that was labeled Roof Access. I pressed on the handle and the door opened into a wide open sky and rooftop. The door clicked shut behind me as I took in the strangest weather I had ever seen. The clouds were coming in, rolling across the sky faster than I'd ever seen. Stepping to the edge of the roof, I looked down on the center of town. People were rushing from building to building, something having sent them into a panic. Then the roof of the hotel shook violently, nearly knocking me off my feet. I grabbed onto the stone ledge, steadying myself while I surveyed the chaos that unfolded. The main street of the town ripped apart from the force of the earthquake, sending several people who happened to be in the middle down into the depths below. The ground began to steady as the town finished shearing itself in half. People were still running, screaming, crying, attempting to run from the devastation, a scene so eerily familiar as if it had been foretold in the oils of the painting in the floors below me. Madness having manifested into reality, unfolding before my eyes as clearly as the old woman had seen it, had painted it. I fell to my knees, unable to believe what I was seeing, a despair taking over. That's when the door behind me burst open, flying off its hinges, the metal from the parts paying on the rooftop and stone railing. Heavy footfalls approached from behind till they were directly behind me. A droplet of something touched my shoulder, a substance of pure shadow covered my clothes, wreathing me in darkness. I could see the two arms, the empty void that embodied its existence. In an instant, they wrapped around me, drowning out the light, entombing me in its ever-winding darkness, body falling forever out of existence into a realm of dark that touched and covered everything, a lost soul in the ever-expanding darkness, a realm only for terrors unleashed from the depths of madness.